0: Good morning, Door Creek. It's good to be together. If you're a guest here today, my name's Mark, one of the pastors, part of the teaching team, and we're glad that you joined us today. Thanks for being here. So it's been a good weekend. We hosted the Kingdom Justice Summit, which is an opportunity for us to come together with other leaders and believers in the city and the community surrounding 60 churches represented as together we're trying to work out what does it look like for us together to be seeking the, p- the peace, the shalom, God's blessing on the city, its prosperity, and that it would flourish, and all the people that work, live, and play in this city would flourish as God intends. And so it was a great, great day. For those of you who are part of making that happen, serving there, thanks for doing that. It was great to be part of that as a church. So last week, if you were here, we did three chapters in one week, and I'm not sure why we did that, but maybe it's because we're gonna do three weeks now in one chapter so is that a deal we did three chapters in one week so that we could do three weeks in one chapter so the last three chapters were all about God's plan for the Jews and we just worked it out can we trust God's plan for the people that we love that are far from him and the answer is yes we can do that and now we're moving to this very key passage probably one of the favorite chapters in the book of Romans for lots and lots of people probably my favorite chapter It's a real hinge point in the book. He's going to explain what the gospel is about, why we need the gospel, how Jesus Christ died on the cross in our place and how we're made right with, the good news is that we've been made right with God, not on the basis of our good works, but on Jesus. This is the gospel that they've heard. This is the gospel that they're believing in. This is the gospel at the end of chapter 11 that they're thanking God for. And now he's going to turn and says, that's great. It's great that you know the gospel. It's great that you've received the gospel. But you need to understand that the gospel, when it's rightly understood, changes the way we live every day. So we're going to just jump into a mini-series in Romans. We're calling it Boundless Living. And we're gonna talk about boundless service today and boundless generosity and boundless love, all kind of working out of chapter 12 and a little bit of chapter 13 in two weeks. So grab your Bible, we're in Romans. And if you're new to the Bible, it's towards the back. If you see any of the guys' names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you're on the path. Keep going to your right, Acts and then Romans. Romans chapter 12. And boundless service in these opening verses are gonna point us in two directions. The first side of it is, is this whole thing. When we are people who are involved in boundless service, it's all about offering ourselves to God as living sacrifices. And then the second part is boundless service is all about offering ourselves to each other in loving service, okay? So those are the two things that we're gonna be looking at. Romans chapter 12, verse one, are you there? these four truths that he's gonna point out about sacrificial, or we could just call it boundless service. The first is its motivation is the mercy of God. That's why we would give our lives back to God because we understand that he's given his son's life for us. That's the motivation. We're, we're not hoping to do this to get God's mercy. We have God's mercy, that's why we're serving. The requirement is it demands everything. It's comprehensive. When we do it, God receives it as worship and he's pleased by that and that gives us great joy that we're pleasing the father and to do that we've got to break the world's mold because the world's values and systems aren't set up for us to offer ourselves back to God and give our lives away to other people it's just not what the world's values are all about. So the first one is boundless service is motivated by God's mercy. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies. So you're seeing them. I've been talking about them for the 11 chapters that you've been reading my letter. It's all about God's mercy. And so now that you've come full face to that and you're embracing God's mercy, just let God's mercy propel you into this kind of living so what does he said about God's mercy God in his mercy gave us the gospel chapter one and anyone and everyone who believes in it will be saved right to the Jew it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and to the Gentile it was God's mercy that he didn't give us what we deserved we deserved judgment For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin, Romans 6.23, is death. You deserve, I deserve to be judged by God. That's separated from God. But in his mercy, he's made a way through Christ, not through our good works. In his mercy, he showed kindness, chapter two, and his kindness has led to a change of mind and a change of living and trusting in him. In his mercy, we're justified not by keeping the law perfectly, but trusting in Jesus who did that. His mercy. It's in his mercy that God demonstrated his love for us, that even when we were sinners, Romans 5 8, he died for us. That was his mercy. It's his mercy that he would send people into our lives to hear the gospel so that in hearing the gospel about Christ, we'd believe it. And in believing it, we'd call out to God for rescue and we'd be rescued. All of this is his mercy. you say, in light of his mercies, plural, I want you to do this. This is the logical thing you should do. Offer yourselves back to God. Christ has given everything for you. You should do the same thing. And what he says next is, and it's a comprehensive thing that God is asking us to do, it, it's, this is a call that demands our whole body and all that we are and all that we have. It's not a call for convenience that says Jesus gave his life for you. Man, you should do something for Jesus. He's not asking us to do something. He's not asking us to bring an animal. He says you become the sacrifice, A living sacrifice, like living sacrifice for the people in Rome that were Jewish and even the Gentiles. There are all kinds of sacrifices being offered in Judaism and in the pagan religions of the day, just as there are all kinds of places around the world today where people are bringing sacrifices. The the Old Testament sacrificial animal was never alive on the altar. They were dead, and then they were offered up, and they were a burnt offering back to God for sin. This is different. It's not a call to die. It's a call that describes how we live. It's not a call that says, hey, live sacrificially. It's a call that says, be a living sacrifice. That's fundamentally different. Silly story. The hen says to the pig, hey, let's get together for breakfast. Tell you what, I'll bring the eggs. You bring the bacon. See, the hen was, she was willing to live sacrificially, to give up, right, a little bit. Man, if the pig's gonna take that invitation, that's it. He's gonna be a sacrifice. So he's not asking us to live sacrificially. He's asking us to be a living sacrifice. And it's a comprehensive thing. It's a lifelong thing it's an everyday thing where we're loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves and it's something that nobody can do for us like this is the body and these are the minds and these are the emotions this is the will that I have you can't offer my body I can't offer your body God's not going to put you in a full Nelson to get you to do that this is something that we willingly willfully do in response to what Christ has done for us So it's all that we are, our bodies, our mind, our soul, our will, our emotions. And it's a call to be holy that brings great pleasure to God. And the result of it is it's joy to us to know that the Father finds great pleasure in that. And so this is what he's calling us to do. This is what it looks like. Not only that, it's worship. He sees it as worship. And when we use the worship, like if we did a word association game and I said worship, and we're not going to do this, but just do it mentally. Um, if I said worship, you say, you know, I, I don't know. I think some of us would go, music? Music? Music is worship, right? We, we, we love the worship today. What do we say? We love the music. Is, is music and singing worship? Absolutely. Is that all of worship? Absolutely not. That's a part of it. Some of us might go, um worship service we're here we're at a worship service now when you think about it those are nouns these are subjects actually worship is a verb something that we do in response to who God is and he's saying that when we have God's mercies in view and offer ourselves back to God as a living sacrifice he considers that sees that as worship in fact he says this is our logical response this is proper that we would respond to God like that and when we do he sees it as worship it reminds us of our first value our first value at Door Creek is this describes what we're committed to a life of worship worshiping God in all of life which means we don't just worship God now at 8 o'clock tomorrow as you're going to work, as you're going to school, as you're, as you're getting your kids ready, whatever you're doing at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, you can worship. It's not like something that only pastors can do during the week. We're all called to do it. This is like an attack on this false division and dichotomy that says there's this like spiritual part of my life and then there's this not spiritual part, this secular part of my life. There's the sacred and then there's the secular. No, no, no. We're one, we're whole, and anything we do, wherever we do it with whomever, we can offer it back to God as worship. That's what he's saying is going on here with this boundless service. But to get there, he says, we gotta break the mold. Because if we let the world kind of set our compass, we're gonna head in a different direction. So look again at verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. I love how J.B. Phillips paraphrased it. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world's values, don't let the conventional wisdom of the world, the beliefs of the world, just kind of shape how you think. Because how we think, our you we know this, right? Our attitudes shape our actions. Actions, when repeated, become habits, and habits define our character. But how we think is gonna have everything to do with how we live, and if our thinking's in line with the world's way of thinking, we're gonna be going in the wrong direction. Jesus' life is completely countercultural. His call in our life, when he says, take up your cross and follow me, is not the call of the world. The world is, describes any, it's a technical term in the New Testament. It's not talking about geography, the world, the globe. No, 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 it's not talking about that. It's talking about The people and systems and powers that are opposed to God, they are opposed to God's will and to his character. Now that's the world that Jesus loved when he mounted the cross. For God so loved the world. This is the world that we're to love. We're to be in this world, but we're not to be of the world, meaning we're not to be shaped. It's not to be the compass that guides us in life. The world will say we're the captain of our own souls, our own ship. No one's going to tell me what to do. No one's going to tell me what to believe. And the Bible says we are to confess Jesus as Lord and live under and embrace his rule in our life. The world says stay on the throne, get on the throne. The word says stay on the altar, live on the altar, give your life away. The world says take care of yourself, man, no one else is going to do it. Look out for number one. The word says, no, serve one another in love. Take care of others. Trust that God's gonna take care of you. The world says, you're the man. The Bible says, no, Jesus is the man, right? The world says, trust yourself. The word of God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on yourself, on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight the world says you only live once in life so go for it grab all the gusto that you can the Bible says it's appointed for man once to die and then he faces judgment so when our minds are shaped when we're following the pattern of the world we will not respond right we will not be in the right position to live out this gospel by offering our lives back to God as living sacrifices, by offering our lives to each other in loving service. We just won't do it. We'll be going in a different direction. We'll be out of position. So how, what do we do? We're not conformed to the world, but we're transformed. We're different. The gospel's changed us. God's spirit in us, Romans chapter 8, says now there is a new way in which we can serve God. And the way and the transformation happens through the mind. So not just by the feelings. We need renewed minds to break these patterns that we don't even know. And the patterns, so just so we're clear, the patterns aren't like just out there. The patterns are like in here. They're like in here. We live. We hear this stuff. The advertising is leveraging all this. This is the stuff that we do life in all the time. And we just got to know, unless our minds are continually being renewed, by the word of God, by the spirit of God, who's using the word of God to sanctify us, to remind us of what is true, to remind us what is beautiful, to remind us of what we're to trust in and pin our hopes to. If we're not doing that, we're just gonna keep being squeezed, squeezed, squeezed. So we're breaking out of the mold and we need to constantly be broken out of the mold as we stay close to God's word. And what do we know about God's word? It is useful for what? to teach us how to live our lives, who God is, who we are, where we find our hope, where we find our security. What should we be doing in life? How do I respond to this? What, what, what should I think about money? What should I think about sex? It teaches us. It also rebukes us. The words going, hey, wait a minute, Mark. Like you are now totally in step with the world's thinking here. That's busted up. You've lost the line, the word of God. And so I'm just reminding you, you're out of bounds. And it corrects us. It says, this is back. Here's where you need to be on the line. And it encourages us. It strengthens us. It trains us so that we're equipped to do all the things that God has called us to do. It's the word that our mind is renewed in as we're filled with the spirit and the spirit is always working with the word and the word is the word that we have because of the spirit and he explains it and he illuminates it and he teaches us that's how we have a renewed mind and if we don't have our minds renewed in the word we're gonna keep getting squeezed we're gonna keep getting squeezed so I was just thinking about my phone and how I can schedule appointments and there are different Appointments that I have most of my appointments are the shorter variety, and so you know I just I load it in and it begins at this time and it ends at this time. but there are some exceptions where it 's an all day thing, and so it 's pretty cool. I can just go hit the all day button and then it shows up all day for how however many days. so this whole thing about offering ourselves to God is asking us the question, so when you look at your calendar, when you think about God's place in your life, is he an appointment? Is he like this little part? Is he this little category? Or is he all day? Is he all day And your relationship? Is all day engaged, giving your life back to God as living sacrifices and on to other people in loving service? That's what he calls us to. And when we have our minds renewed, by the word and the spirit we start thinking rightly about ourselves that's where he's going next humility rightly about the church the unity and the diversity of the church one body many members rightly about our gifts that we've been given to build up the body of Christ so look at verse 3 because now we're going to go to the other direction of boundless service and that's about offering ourselves to others in loving service verse 3 says speaking about this renewed mind that sees ourselves correctly for by the grace given me i say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith god has distributed to each of you so loving service if we're going to get it right with each other we we've got to see each we got to see ourselves correctly don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought be humble. A sober mind is a humble mind. And humility is seeing ourselves as God sees us. And there's no better place for us to understand how God sees us than, than just imagining your mind, yourself at the foot of the cross, and you go, oh, yeah, I see it clear. Uh, at the foot of the cross, I'm reminded that I'm a sinner. And that's why Jesus had to die. At the foot of the cross, I'm reminded that, man, I'm an object of God's love. He loves me. It's a sober judgment of our, ourselves because pride will knock us out of the service game real quick like <laughs> like service is below me I don't do windows you didn't know that like pride like yeah I know that we're going to talk about gifts and by the by the by the way did you know that when I went into the gift line and asked God for gifts that day I got the lottery I got all the gifts I mean, it's just unbelievable, but I got all the gifts, so I don't need anybody else. I've got all the knowledge, I got all the gifts, and this kind of, you know, we become the greatest of all time. It took me a long time to figure out, why are they saying Tom Brady's the goat? Like, what is the deal with this goat thing? I know, like, I'm like, just catching up. So for those of you that don't know it either, goat is just an, an acrostic for greatest of all time. So when you have this goat mentality in the church, like, man, I've been around for some time. I've got this really developed, you know, artillery of gifts and knowledge that I can do. And you know what? I'm good. You know, there's a lot of other people that are kind of new to the game. You go help them out. There's a lot of people that are lacking knowledge. I'm good. You go help them out. And and that just cuts us off from receiving and from giving in a proper way because it twists giving. Because if I'm proud, I, I, you know what ends up happening? I'm all about myself and my serving becomes all about myself. It gets really twisted. It's, it's like the horse breeder whose friend, the farmer, grew this great carrot and he took it to the king. He was so proud that like if they had a state fair back in that day, that was a blue ribbon carrot. I mean, it was so big, he had to load that thing in his cart and pull it up with his horse and he brought it into the throne room and he offered to the king as just an expression of his love and devotion and he just wanted to see how great his soil was and how loyal his subjects were and the king was so pleased that in return, he gave him a piece of land, some 40 acres out in the, you know, back 40. He went and told the horse breeder, his buddy, he says, you won't believe this. And the horse breeder's going, are you kidding me? You got 40 acres for a pick and carrot? Man, I wonder what he'd give me for a horse. So he brings one of his beautiful stallions and he gives it to the king. And the king thanks him. And and like the breeders go on, okay, so nothing's happening. So he wants to tell him more about his stallion and how great this horse is and what a great breeding horse he will be. And, and nothing happens. And, and finally the king notices that he's exasperated. And he said, I I, I sense that you're exasperated. I just want to let you know, when your buddy, the farmer, brought the carrot, he was giving that carrot to me. But I've figured out quickly that you are giving the horse to you. See what I'm saying? And you know what? We can be doing good things that are things about God and about his kingdom. And if it gets about ourselves, it gets all twisted up and it just disconnects us from God's desire to use us in other people's lives pride he talks about a renewed mind sees ourselves clearly with humility sober mindedness I'm loved by God but man I'm still a sinner but I'm a sinner saved by God's grace there's a second thing that he points to And this has to do with how we see the church. And he uses a metaphor. Earlier in chapter 8, he used the metaphor of the family. We've been adopted into the family, right? Children of God. Now he uses the metaphor of a body. All right, here's a body. Notice one body. But it has ten fingers, ten toes, it's got couple of elbows and forearms it's got two ears it's got two eyes and nose it's got a a brain usually it's got a mouth it has got hands and feet and knees all these different parts make up one body nobody's confused here right we get that that's how bodies are are made and born and we get that okay so too with with the church one body but it's got all these different parts, and these parts play different roles. Letitia Morrison, yesterday, one of her breakouts on racial reconciliation, had this great quote. She said, left to ourselves, we like sameness, but God calls us to embrace oneness. And the unity and oneness of the church is expressed in great diversity, not just the diversity that right now all around the globe there are people in all these different places I think of the places I've been to in Africa where they're meeting this morning under a tree that's where they do church places in other parts of the world where they're hiding in secret and it's in all these different languages it's this beautiful one church of Jesus Christ that has all these different expressions at the end of the story every nation tongue and tribe gathered around the throne right So it's diverse, but he's talking about the local church is diverse, it's one, we're one Door Creek Church and our diversity is not that we have three campuses our diversity is we have all these different members that play a different part, they're just like the different parts of our body and the role of these gifted people is to build each other up so that we're positioned together to do the work of God that he's called us to do and so we have a renewed understanding and love for the church. And so for the people that say, I don't need the church, they're misunderstanding what the church is. It's just like my hands say, dude, I don't need you guys. I'm going off on my own. Well, let's see how that works out, Ann. Because I don't, you know, some of you know better than I And how long it's going to take for this hand to be just flatline dead. Nothing. And, and some some of some people today are going well but the church is so messed up it's so broken it's so full of hypocrites i I don't like the church so I, I don't want to be in the church and I and I'm kind of working out that maybe I don't need the church I can just do this me and Jesus thing and maybe connect well no the the metaphor is saying no actually we do the church needs us he's full fitted us together to do the work that he's called us to do I need you I don't have all the gifts I'm not yet perfectly like Christ never going to be this side of heaven or when he calls me home and so we need each other and it really gives us a better theology about the importance of the church and even though it's broken it doesn't give us an excuse to say well I mean we never thought about well a part of our body's broken like I I've had one of those little body parts that I lost a long time ago where they took it out. I didn't even know I had it and my body's broken. They cut out a button. Let's not even go there. But anyways, so there's this brokenness in my physical body, but I never, I've never thought about, well, maybe it'd be better for me to just start cutting off other parts of my body because this part's broken. We get it. It may be broken, but it's my life source. I got to stay connected to the body. There's no argument about the brokenness of the body. But the head is not broken. Christ is the head. He's our beautiful Savior. He is our hope. He is the one who makes us whole. He is the one who is making us whole. And we've got to stay connected. And the renewed mind understands who we are and our place in this world and specifically our place in the church, that we're a part of it. We're not like the part of it we're a part of it, I need the other parts, I'm not independent, this isn't about just pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and the rugged individualism of America, this is like I, I need you and you need me and together we can do the work that God is calling us to do, I have a renewed mind about the church, the importance of the church and be vitally connected to the church and then he goes and talks about a renewed mind around our gifts, that is the individual ways that God has wired us and made us and gifted us and our part within the church. So go to verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So... Let's just say something about gifts. and man, we could do a whole series on gifts. Let me give you a working definition about gifts. So gifts are spiritual. These spiritual gifts are special abilities given by the Holy Spirit. They're tools, not trophies. Here's what we do with a trophy. We polish it and we display it. And we tell people, yeah, look at that. Look what I've done. Tools, the variety of a makita of a Milwaukee, of a DeWalt, of a Rigid. These are things that we use to build things. I love tools, and I'm always telling Lori, there's a better tool for this job. What is it? Or this is a great tool for the job. We use tools to build things. Gifts are tools. They're not like gifts because God gave them to us, And we just go, isn't that great? Look what I got. No, they become gifts only when we share them and help others benefit from those. So they're tools, not trophies. They're given to all God's children to build up the body so that together we're able to join God in his mission in this world as we humbly serve in love. That's what these spiritual gifts are. They're given to us. By the Spirit, when we trust in Christ, having believed, we're marked in Him with a seal, Ephesians one30 13, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, and that seal, that deposit, is the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes applying the work of Christ to our life, giving us spiritual life, a heartbeat for God, desires, new power for God, He also is giving us new gifts spiritual gifts they may flow right in line with your spiritual with your natural talents they may be very different from your natural talents there 's special abilities that God has given you because he's made you he knows your personality he knows the things you care about he knows about the experiences you have he knows about your natural talents that he's given you and all that comes together to help you understand your place in this world and how god has wired you and gifted you and how you'll find fulfillment and joy as you use those things to help other people grow and understand who jesus is so that together we can do his work in this world so he's listed a bunch of gifts here did you notice it prophecy serving teaching encouragement the last three he kind of gave a little warning hey if you got the gift of giving don't forget he's blessed you so don't, you know, like, don't get stingy on God. Give generously. Hey, if you have the gift of leadership, hey, don't get lazy because you're really good on your feet and you could wing it. Don't do that. Lead diligently. Hey, you got the gift of mercy? Man, it can wear you out. You can start becoming a grumbling, mumbling, complaining person. Don't do that. Share your gift of mercy cheerfully. But then if you look at the other Lists of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Peter 4, you'll find that there's a whole bunch of other gifts. And some of these might describe some of the gifts that you have the gift of administration, the gift of discernment, the gift of knowledge or wisdom or shepherding, the gift of faith, the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, hospitality, healing, miracles, maybe the gift of craftsmanship from the Old Testament. There's no way that you can say there's an exhaustive list because every place you go in the New Testament and they talk about gifts, they have the same list. They don't. So it's very likely that it's not an exhaustive list, but these are examples of some of the gifts, most of the gifts, if you will, that are given to God's people to build each other up to do God's work in this world. These gifts. Knowing your gift, knowing your gifts actually helps you know where you can make a difference so we'll talk sometimes about your shape what are your spiritual gifts what are the things that are on your heart h for heart things you're passionate about what about a your abilities your natural talents or just some skills that you have p your personality E, your experiences. When you know these things, you can kind of get focused in, a, well, I, you know, I, I can make a difference here. I can make a difference there. There's some cautions here. Just because you have that gift, don't think everybody else has that gift. There is not one gift the Bible says that everybody has, and there's not one person who won the lottery. All right? But it's really easy to kind of get like, come on, where is everybody? Like there's a lot of people in need and I got this gift of mercy and like step up folks, where are you? And you're projecting your gift on other people. Having said that, let's not use our gifts as an excuse where we go, well, I don't know if you didn't know this but I got the gift of teaching. And so as a teacher, I don't do mercy. Man, that's pretty messy stuff and it takes a lot of time and it just wears me out. I don't do mercy. So there's a third warning and that is don't forget that we may not have the gift to do that, but we have the responsibility to to act out a lot of these gifts and mercy is another good one to use. So we're to be merciful. We're to be merciful. That is a mark of a believer. We're to have a forgiving heart. We're supposed to be compassionate. We're supposed to have empathy with people who are going through. We may not have the gifting of mercy that allows us to bring comfort in ways that that those people could do, but we still are to be merciful. So don't project your gift. Don't use it as an excuse. And don't forget that we may not have the gift, but we still call to be responsible in loving others in these ways. So it's different from a natural talent. Both are given by God. But the natural talent, you know, is present from birth. The spiritual gift is just to God's children, and it comes at our spiritual birth. They both come, they both can be used to honor God and do good in this world to other people, and they're both to be stewarded. But don't confuse, they're not the same thing. It's not the same thing, a spiritual gift isn't the same thing as the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit, not the fruits, All of the fruit of the Spirit is supposed to be growing in our life. Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of that growing in my life. We don't have all the gifts. The fruit of the Spirit is about my character. The gifts is about my job and my work to help other people grow in Christ and help us do the work of Christ. It's to build up the church. They're not the same. Don't confuse those things. And don't forget that without love, all of it goes up in flames. It's it's of no use. So it's interesting, verse 9, and we're going to get into this, a whole message on this in two weeks. Love must be sincere. Every time the Bible teaches about gifts, it teaches about love, which reminds us it's not enough just to do the work. How we share our gifts makes all the difference. And right now, you may not even know what your gifts are. And all I can say is, if you love well, you are going to so far exceed having a dramatic impact in people's lives than people that know their gifts and maybe even working hard to develop those gifts, but don't share them in love. And man, when you're loving on middle school students and the rest of us are going, good on you, girl. Man, I don't know if I could do that. And you're doing it because you love middle school kids. And you remember what it was like when someone loved on you in middle school. And you got that open heart and you love them just how they are. But you're, you're, you're so invested in their life to care for them. That is a life changer. I can go through and talk about Joe and Iris Ballard and, and Bev and Harv Larson and Grady my youth I can go back to those names and remember and what I remembered is not what they did is remembered who they were and how they loved me and cared and so we got to exercise these gifts in humility and we got to exercise them in love and as we love these people and bring the unique contributions that we can through these gifts and abilities and all that God has given us and we begin to make difference people's lives But if we don't have his mercies in view, it's it's not gonna happen. So are they in view? Are God's mercies in view? Is, Is the cross of Jesus Christ, old news or good news today? If it's old news, his mercies aren't in view. If we are people that regularly express gratitude over the little things in life, I guarantee you, you're a person who has God's mercies in view. If it's your habit at the end of the day to um, just reflect on maybe a couple, two, three things that you're really thankful for. God, I'm so glad that I got to, to ski cross country with Lori. My shoulder's doing better. I'm so grateful for that. Grateful to be in church with your people and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Gr- grateful that we could share a meal with friends. Grateful that we no that claire's going to visit us up in door county this week just just if if that's your rhythm and you the little things or if the rhythm of your life and the pattern of your life is throughout the day we just mumbling and grumbling about who's driving how and about who got this raise at work and how this isn't working out and how the kids don't call and how this isn't right. Can't you clean up after yourself and mumbling and grumbling? And if you really want to be adventuresome, go talk to someone this week that knows you well, lives with you, maybe your kids, maybe your spouse, maybe you don't want to go there because that'll tell you everything about are they in view? Is it gratitude that marks their life or is it Grumbling. When gratitude marks our life, that's a good indication. His mercies are in view, which means we're lined up. We're connected to the proper engine that motivates our service. The second question, does God have all of me? Or actually, he's got most of me. (laughs) On most days, or he's got all of me except for that one part of me. Are we, have we offered ourselves all that we are back to God? Does he have all of us? Do we know our gifts? Are we engaging our gifts in ministry? So did you know we have a little thing called a flap? You probably didn't know we had a flap, but it's not a flack. We get flack, but maybe you didn't know we, get it. we have a flap too. I want you to look at the flap. The flap is sometimes referred to as a communication card. Grab your bulletin. And I've, tur- I've, 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 I've torn off my flap. So you, you tear off yours. See it? It says boundless living on it. All right, I want you to look at this flat because this could be actually really helpful. This weekend, there were 250 to 300 people at our three campuses that made our weekends happen. The children's ministry, the greeters, the people who were making coffee, the people who were running the sound and turning the slides and the musicians and all the different things that took place. So these are people who were engaged and we are so grateful for you for the ways that you serve, week in, week out. Every week, outside of the weekend, including the weekend, we need six to 700 people serving. And we have over 1,000 people over the course of the year that are regularly using their gifts in ministry. But you may not yet be connected. And you may be wondering uh, this, like, what's missing in my life? And one of the things that could be missing in your life is you haven't connected the way God has wired you and gifted you to the mission that he's called you to come alongside of. That is his mission. And so this flap is maybe a really great next step to go, oh, I want to learn more about this because I had no clue there was something called a spiritual gift. I'd like to know what mine are. So you just check that box. See the first one? I want to make a difference. Please follow up with me on how I can serve. Maybe you know what your abilities and your gifts are and your heart's passion. That's the second box. Fill that in. Maybe go, I haven't a clue what my gifts are. Well, check the box if you're lazy. If you're not lazy, just go to the website later today and you click on ACT, the tab that says ACT. Underneath it, it says volunteer. Underneath volunteer, not underneath it, but on the right side of the page, it says gift assessment. And this trait assessment says people with the gift of helps, they have these kinds of traits. And so you go, that, yeah, I kinda, Yeah, that's kind of, at the end of it, you go, oh, these are possible two or three gifts that I have that I could use that actually is giving me focus on where I can serve and make a difference in somebody else's life. I encourage you to get connected we need you you need us and it's in that vital connection that you can be a part of making huge impacts in people's lives in ways you might never go well I just I I just yeah that just little if we didn't have volunteers serving at Door Creek we wouldn't have anything to offer our community and we wouldn't have anything to offer to the church families. This place runs not because there's a staff that does it all, because there's a staff that is committed to equipping God's people to do the work of ministry, Ephesians 4.11. And we love that. And that, when you're in that place, that's a healthy place. It's going to be different in your 80s. It's going to be different when you've got a family full of young kids. It's going to be different at different stages of your life and at different places that you attend, but every place that we're connected to is a local church. God wants us to plug in and make a difference for him. So God, help us. Help us to believe that. When there's so many things calling for our attention, help us to believe that it's greater to give than it is to receive. Help us to believe that you've called us to carry a cross and not go sit on a throne and wear a crown. Help us to believe that the greatest in your kingdom is the servant of all. Help us to believe that actually when we give our life away, we receive life like we've never received it before. Help us to believe that actually we could make a difference that is huge in someone else's life. God, use us. Keep your mercies in front of us. Forgive us for losing sight of that. Make us grateful people, not grumbling people. And Lord, show us how you've made us, how you've wired us to join you in a unique way in this world at this time for your honor and the good of those you've called us to serve. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So let me show you something as you still have that flap. Um, This is a slide that shows... Some of the hot needs that we have right now. Big surprise. We need more people to shovel snow. We hope that's coming to an end. Uh, The cafe. You've always wanted to be a barista. We need some people that could learn how to be a barista so we can serve more foo-foo coffee to our guests and visitors and families. Kids ministry. There's a... Bunch of different ways. Maybe you love sports and you'd like to be a coach for Upward Soccer. It's coming up. Maybe you'd like to be a small group leader. Maybe you'd like to come during the week and start making copies of the stuff that the teachers are going to be working through with the kids, cleaning the toys or whatever it is. Kids ministry, worship team, the tech, instrumentalists, helping set up, tear down lots of different ways. You, I don't know my gifts. I just want to plug in. Just say, hey, I can do that. And you take that flap and you just drop it in the basket on your way out, and we will follow up with you and want to get you connected. And if, if it happens, because it's once, hap- just once, just kidding. If it happens, like nobody called me, you just, you send me an email and say, I want to serve Mark at Door Creek Church. That's with a C. And I will make sure you get a call this week and you're plugged into service this coming month, okay? So do that. For guests, take your, don't drop in the basket, take your card, and get your foo-foo free, okay, at the, at the cafe. And remember, there's a whole bunch of people. You know how they serve us? They pray. And uh, that's for a lot of our senior adults, but that's also our prayer team. And so they want to encourage you. They want to uh, just come alongside of you. And so if there's something heavy on your heart today and you need prayer, right behind the uh, welcome desk is the prayer room, and they'd love to do that. Have a great day, you guys. And Lord willing, we'll be back again next week. Thanks.